Hi. I'm on Candle. Sometimes parts of the media make things or people out to be more important than they really are. I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also known as AOC, is one of those people. In making a video about her, I'm contributing to the great myth of her importance. But she plays so hugely in the mind of many conservatives that I feel forced to look into her. No politician is mentioned more by random people in my life than her. So here I go. From my observations and research into her, she does make frequent mistakes. On one hand, she is passionate and regularly making comments, many times in a live fashion, and all of us would make mistakes over time. So jumping on her for some is completely unfair. On the other hand, her mistakes seem too frequent for a member of Congress, and many of them are in tweets. So I believe this is a legitimate criticism. She should do her research and double-check her facts more rigorously. That said, there are a lot of simply false quotes of her that circulate, as well as many fake images. So if you're going to judge a particular false statement that she supposedly made, make sure you double-check its veracity. On July 2nd, 2019, AOC claimed that a proposed bill wasn't humanitarian at all. It's true that the bill included large amounts of money that the Trump administration could use in ways that she disagreed with. And this is a legitimate reason to not support a bill with humanitarian ends. She could have argued that she'd be glad to support a bill with the same goals if it had changes in it to make it better from her perspective. And she could have claimed that voting against such a bill in no way means she didn't care about those the legislation was supposed to help, or that she wasn't willing to spend funds on the problem. But she said, quote, the $4.6 billion wasn't humanitarian at all. This was factually inaccurate, and she didn't need to respond in a way that was so misleading. On April 2nd, 2019, while answering questions at a town hall, she said, quote, I think there's a couple of lessons. One is that when we look into our history, when our party was boldest, time of the New Deal, the Great Society, the Civil Rights Act, and so on, we had and carried supermajorities in the House, in the Senate. We carried the presidency. They had to amend the Constitution of the United States to make sure Roosevelt did not get reelected. I sympathize with getting history mixed up. I do so all the time. And this mistake is a pretty easy one to make. But she's a member of Congress speaking publicly, so it was more responsibility to speak with care. The part about Republicans amending the Constitution to make sure Roosevelt did not get reelected is false. It's true that Roosevelt's four terms in office motivated the amendment, but the Constitution was not amended to stop him from getting reelected. Roosevelt died on April 12, 1945. The amendment was introduced in February 1947. Passed that March and ratified on February 27, 1951. You can't make sure someone won't get reelected when that someone is dead and not again running for office. On July 18th, AOC said, Unemployment is low because everyone has two jobs. Unemployment is low because people are working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and can barely feed their family. People holding multiple jobs wasn't the cause of low unemployment at the time. Such people were a fraction of the workforce, and their number as a percentage of all the employed was low relative to history. In a February 20, 2020 tweet, AOC said, 
Bernie Sanders has never taken corporate lobbyist money in his entire political career. While it's true that Bernie is not a big corporate contribution hog, he has taken money from lobbyists representing corporations or industry groups. So her claim was false. These are just a few examples, but she has made a handful of mistakes like these. Many I come into contact with conclude from this that she's simply dumb. They tell me she's an idiot. The word idiot or dumb are used to mean different things. If by them, we mean someone who truly is slow or less capable mentally than most people, then she is not an idiot. Take a look at these clips. Man, do you want to spend a lot of my tax money on these proposals that you and Bernie and others have? Medicare for all, college tuition, maybe even housing, uh, that the Green New Deal that you have, it is all very expensive, especially on the single payer side, mm -hmm. and that it gives people sticker shock. Mm -hmm. Even in Bernie's home state, they got sticker shock. They couldn't get it done mm -hmm. in his state because mm -hmm. of how expensive it is. And that was an 11 percent increase in taxes, 9 to 11 percent. Even that was too much for people. How do you pay? How do you sell it? Mm -hmm. So, first of all, the thing that we need to realize is people talk about the sticker shock of Medicare for all. They do not talk about the sticker shock of, our, of the cost of our existing system. You know, in a Koch Brothers funded uh, you know, study, if any study is going to try to be a little bit slanted, it would be one funded by the Koch Brothers. It shows that Medicare for all is actually much more, is, is actually much cheaper than the current system that we pay right now. And let's not forget that the reason that the Supreme Court upheld the Affordable Care Act is because they ruled that of these monthly payments that everyday Americans make is a tax. And so while it may not seem like we pay that tax on April 15th, we pay it every single month, or we do pay a tax season if we don't buy uh, you know, these plans off of the exchange. So we're paying for this system. We Americans have the sticker shock of healthcare as it is. And what we're also not talking about is why aren't we incorporating the cost of all the funeral expenses of those who die because they can't afford access to healthcare? That is part of the cost of our system. Why don't we talk about the cost of reduced productivity because of people who need to go on disability, because of people who are not able to participate in our economy, because they have because they're having issues like diabetes or or they don't have access to the health care that they need. I think at the end of the day, we see that this is not a pipe dream. Every other developed nation in the world does this. Why can't America? And that is the question that we need to ask. We have done these things before. We write unlimited blank checks for war. We write a two trillion. We just wrote a two trillion dollar check for that tax cut, the GOP tax cut. And nobody asked those folks, how are they going to pay for it? So my question is, why is it that our pockets are only empty when it comes to education and health care for our kids? Why are our pockets only empty when we talk about 100 percent renewable energy that is going to save this planet and allow our children to thrive? We only have empty pockets when it comes to the morally right things to do. But when it comes to uh, tax cuts for billionaires and when it comes to unlimited war, we seem to be able to be to, to invent that num that money very easily. And to me, it belies a lack of moral priorities that people have right now, especially the Republican Party. I just want to make sure that we touch on your role in the House Oversight Committee. Um, 
foreign interference in our elections and what you what insight you can give our viewers on the impeachment process. Yeah. So I sit on the oversight committee, which is one of the few committees that were part of the private depositions, uh, which will now go public next starting next week. And so the general public, New Yorkers, will hear from the same people that we've been hearing from over the last month. And there's been a lot of misrepresentation over what this process has been. Republicans have been saying that they're not a part of it, that it's secret, and none of those things are true. They, um, Republicans have been part of these depositions every step of the way. Many of them that are saying that they weren't involved actually sit on the committee with me, so I was surprised to see them in some of these press conferences because I was like, you were in that room with me just a few days ago. You have, an, you have a, someone who just came to this country, father, four kids, and I've, I've seen their invoices and I've seen their tax returns myself. They're making twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a year and a bank approved them or a lender approved them for a million dollar loan to buy a taxi medallion. That's predatory lending. That's absolutely predatory mm -hmm. lending. And it's a combination of the price that the city set, the complete lack, like Wild West style, you know, actions of banks targeting the people who are most vulnerable. And then you have the market influence of Uber coming in, just like wiping everything out. Mm -hmm. And so I believe, and what we've been fighting for is a bailout for taxi drivers who got caught up in this mess because they were targeted and they were victimized by banks. There's like, you look at any lending sheet, you were just talking about how people can't get a loan to, mm -hmm. to purchase a home here in New York City. Then like on what business does a bank or a lender have giving someone making 20K a million, saddling them with a million dollars worth of debt it is wrong. So we're, I mean, here, and here's the ultimate crux when it comes to our politics. When it comes to bailing out a bank, it's the easiest thing in the world to right. do. When it comes to bailing out these taxi cab medallions, all we're hearing right now is excuses. Mm. And so I do think we are making progress on this issue. We did a congressional hearing and they're now starting to explore a solution here. But again, it, it was because of movement spaces. This didn't happen because I woke up one day and say, okay, what do I want to do for people? It was because we're working in conjunction with people because drivers started to organize and they came to my office. And like, when we talk about the importance of elections, the thing that's important to me is it, what's important is electing people who are accountable to movements, who will be responsive to that. But it again elected officials aren't here to save anybody they need to they need to be responsive and they are not right now now you mentioned she's also been criticized for making factual mistakes one of the criticisms of you is that your math is fuzzy the washington post recently awarded you four pinocchios oh my goodness for uh, misstating some statistics about pentagon spending if people want to really blow up one figure here or one word there i would argue that they're missing the forest for the trees I think that there's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right. But being factually correct is important. It's absolutely important. And whenever I make a mistake, I say, okay, this was clumsy. And then I restate what my point was. Um, but it's, it's not the same thing as the president lying about immigrants. It's not the same thing at all. The first three clips were chosen fairly haphazardly, while the last one obviously is her response to this criticism. I'm not saying I agree with their arguments, 
and I could take issue with multiple things she said here. But even if you disagree with her, the person in these clips demonstrates a mental acuity that wouldn't be fairly described as dumb. One can be dead wrong without being stupid. And her intelligence is more fully demonstrated if you take the time to watch entire interviews. She clearly has enough command of the issues to not be accurately described as an idiot. And I can't even confidently confirm she makes more mistakes than the average congressperson. It seems like she does. But she also has a huge spotlight on her. So more of her statements are getting checked by national media than some random member. And as a declared socialist, the media's centrist bias isn't in her favor. Politicians are generally known to make false statements. Those aren't justified. But in that context... I can't confirm if she's one of the worst offenders. Also, she's relatively new to this. Members of Congress deal with every issue that the country faces. These are varied and complicated. Some factual mistakes should be expected. Not every member of Congress starts out as a general expert. On her errors, I'm willing to cut her some slack. It's not like she's lying left and right or shows no care for the truth. While I sympathize with her mistakes and can't confirm how prevalent they truly are, she seems to make too many mistakes and needs to do better homework. But she has also displayed her intelligence. Now, am I a fan of her? No. I think her ideology is wrong, and that many policies she supports would lead to more harm than good. Rather than falsely calling her an idiot or focusing too much on her inaccurate statements, I prefer to emphasize the flaws in her worldview. I showed her saying that what we should care about is being morally right. I totally believe she is motivated by her moral instinct, but I think her ideas and understanding of the world are flawed. A deep critique of her platform and the theories behind it would be a whole nother piece. But let me say a little to let you know where I'm coming from. I start from a classical liberal or libertarian base and then add exceptions to where government involvement produces a net benefit. I value both freedom in and of itself, and the amazing outcomes that free markets generally provide. I accept that government involvement is both a limit on human freedom, and often doesn't work well to solve problems. However, the market fails sometimes, and in some situations, a government policy is a net plus. I'm no libertarian because I'm willing to accept a lot of these situations. I think AOC underweights the difficulty government has in solving problems. I think she underplays the second-order effects government policy has and doesn't understand how policies often interfere with the free market in such a way that causes real harm. I also believe the national debt is a serious and looming problem that is a massive crux in any big progressive plan. And she doesn't seem to have a satisfactory response to this. I know this brief critique of her worldview is woefully incomplete, but my only objective here is to display that I'm not an AOC fan. I disagree with her severely. Well, I'm blown candle. Like me, come at me, love men. And love means subscribe.